Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome to Dojo Talks. Uh, let me just say right off the top, I'm having some tech issues. I don't know if it's the internet or Twitch or what. Jesse was also having issues at the end of the, the last stream. Um, but we're going to be recording the episode. Hopefully it doesn't lag too much. Uh, if it does, we apologize, but the recording should still be good. And we are going to put that up on YouTube and Spotify pretty much ASAP. Um, so hopefully for the live stream, it, it's not uh, it's not too bad. Um, but anyway, let's get into it. So today for Dojo Talks, we are talking about a universal training plan. And uh, we're trying to answer the question whether it's possible, first of all, to have some kind of universal training plan to get uh, someone from, let's say, beginner level all the way up to 2,000, 2,200 mm -hmm. uh, OTB. We'll talk about the, the potential limits um, and then if it is possible to make a universal training plan, we're going to discuss what that might look like. Because uh, as a lot of you guys know, we recently uh, launched a site and we are very interested in helping as many players as possible get really, really good at chess. And so our dream is to have this kind of like full enveloping dojo guide where we have recommendations, we have... Uh, skills that you need to practice, uh, assignments, annotating games, uh, and, and so on and, and so forth. So Jesse took a first stab at a possible uh, training plan. And uh, I think we're just going to get right into it. We'll have Jesse lead us off and then we'll we'll see where we go. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. So let me I'll give a little background. Um, I've been teaching chess for a long time. And what this training plan kind of goes back to is I, years of years ago, we're talking two decades ago, was put in charge of this elementary school chess team. And, you know, at the time it was just a gig, you know, it's just a gig, but I got really into it. And I think I learned a lot about chess and chess teaching from this gig. And what I did was created like a system, let's call it of competencies that the kids could prove themselves in. And, you know, we had our own rating system, so they would get like points for doing X competency. And we, we crushed everybody. We won the state championship and yada, yada. And we did well at nationals and, you know, it was not, I didn't have a big pool of players to choose from. It was, you know, this little tiny school. We did great. And I did that a couple of times. And my approach, especially from what I'm calling, like, let's say from 500 to 1500 is really based on that memory. And I think it applies to any type of player, whether you're young or old. And so let me just kind of dive into what I've written here. Now, I started at 500 as a, as a low uh, the low bound of the rating. Could I have gone lower? Possible. Also, I should note that when I say 500, I'm thinking about USCF, and that translates weird to like chess.com and FIDE and Lee Chess. Chess.com, I think, is inflated above USCF. FIDE is a little bit below. Lee Chess is like way stratospheric. And Lee Chess of 500 is like a 2,500, you know? <laughs> There with the lead chess. That's a little bit of a joke, but it's also there's enough truth in it to be kind of real. In any case, 
So what I believe for anybody is that first of all, going over your games is going to be the most essential part of your improvement. Now, especially for children, they need help. They need some kind of coach to help them see what the questions are. It's very hard for them to sit on a position and think about what the questions might be. In any case, this is an example for getting from 500 to 600. I have review and annotate 25 classical games. Again, if you're a kid, it's a little different. You're going to probably need a little bit of help. As an adult, you might also need some help. It doesn't necessarily have to be a coach, though. It could also be a friend who goes over the games with you or your opponent after you play the game. And are I say these, class, yeah. Are these classical games like games played by Tarash or games? No, no. By these you? are played by you. Okay. By classical, thank you for, I was going to clarify. By classical games, I just mean games that have a long time control. Mm -hmm. Let's say minimum of 45 minutes plus 30. Is it very difficult for beginning players to play that time control? Yes. And that's one of the first things I want to do is institute a habit of understanding that you're not going to progress unless you are doing some long thinking. So that's the most important part of any jump in any of these bands I've done is review and annotate the games. Then I have Polgar Maiden ones. So that's 300 of them. A puzzle rush score of three. Interesting, we can debate that, like what is the puzzle rush score? But I think three is a good number for 500 to 600. Learning to mate with the queen. Now, each one of these sections has an end game competency. And what I had with the kids, and this really worked well, is say you're doing a mate with the queen, you have to do it three times in a row. If you screw it up, doesn't matter. You gotta do it all over again. Mate with the queen is traumatic for 500 because they will uh, stalemate. And then it's like, oh no, I got to start all over again. <laughs> and with all these competencies, I want to say it's it's important to me that you are kind of judged by a jury of your peers, i.e. you play against not your coach, but you play against somebody who's rated around you. Then I have uh, memorizing Morphe versus the Duke. And then I have as a vid opening principles. Now with all these things, I do think it's important to memorize some games and... <clears throat> Uh, we're going to have vids for, uh, and it doesn't even have to be our vids. We can link to other people if we like their vids. Um, but I think something like memorizing a game like Morphe versus Duke, it's not that long. It'll be difficult if you're just beginning, but it's a great stepping stone to kind of start thinking about what was going on in a game like that. Um, one dream I have too with this is especially if we get the dojo going, that two things would happen in the dojo. One, we would have people who are like, hey, I'm at 500 and this is what I've completed in this uh, program and I'm ready to play you know, the defending side against Mate with the Queen. I'm willing to talk to you about the Morphe versus Duke game. And then later, <clears throat> let's say you've progressed, you will have Morphe versus the Duke kind of in your mind and the fellow dojoers will be like, yeah, I know that game. We can, that's like a common vocabulary. And so, <clears throat> for example, in the 600 to 700, I also want people to memorize some games, but I didn't list which games. And that could be something we talk about. There'll be vids. I say puzzle rush score of five. And then of course you're moving on to the maiden twos. And the most important part of any of this would then for example of 600 to 700, I promise I'm almost done, <laughs> will be review and annotate 30 games. Uh, and then the mating, the um, <clears throat> end game competency is then mating with the rook. 
So that was my general program then. I still very much believe in it. And then, you know, I've taken that all the way up to, uh, I think, 1400. And I stopped there. And I think just to finish, one reason I stopped there is if I'm nervous about a universal training program, it's more later, like later when I'm teaching people who are around above 1600, there's usually some aspect of their game that really needs work that's different than other people. Now, I'm willing to rethink that. I'm willing to believe like somebody, a coach could say, no, that's not true, Jesse. They just don't know how to calculate. And then I could say, maybe that's true too, boss. You know, maybe that's also true. You know, uh, anyways, that is a long introduction to this rough draft of a training program that I'm putting out there. And then, you know, David and Kostya can respond in any way they want. And also they could debate whether it's even possible to have a universal training program. Yeah. So so basically, Jesse, let me sum up for, for folks. It's like you, you, you've kind of laid out like a list of tasks that people need to accomplish. And uh, some of these things are simply uh, like a matter of time. You just have to put the time in. Other things are more skill based where like if you can't get it, you just have to practice until you can mate with a king and queen, king and rook without stalemating and and uh, and so on. Right. Uh, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I also think, yeah, as you brought up towards the end there, like one of the the more important things is going to be like getting some kind of, uh, I think, feedback like from a coach. Because people have all kinds of, I think, misconceptions and biases in their game. I think at all levels, not just at 1600. I think um, my intuition for how to get anyone better would be that some form of feedback from a coach or stronger player um, mm -hmm. has to be uh, involved. Um, like, like, for example, uh, there are lots of players, let's say, on the lower rating side. And when you talk to them, it feels like they have a great conceptual understanding of like they got to work on their calculation they have to make sure they're looking for their opponent's resources like when they're th talking about the end game they're like oh i got to make sure my king is active in the end game it feels like they understand all the principles and then you look at some of their games and it's like they're not castling until their opponent castles because they're afraid of castling on opposite sides of the board and it's those things that i think are a lot of times holding people back but you can only kind of sniff them out when you're going through someone's games and kind of looking at it with them. Um, but let me ask David, just like get your general thoughts. Like, do you think a universal training plan uh, is possible? And, and what would that look like? Generally speaking, is it way different to what, what Jesse put out? Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to address everything at once because it's such a big topic, but I think there are several challenges to trying to lay out a universal training program. So maybe I could lay out a couple challenges and then we can like pick one at a time to discuss how much of a problem it is. So one challenge to a universal training program is that people have different styles of learning. So some people learn well by listening to a video and other people learn better by playing a game. Right. And you can put some mix of all these things in, but you are doing sort of like a cookie cutter. You're telling everybody to play 25 games, review 25 games, like use puzzle rush, like memorize a game. Right. There might be somebody who, for some reason, just can't memorize games, but they've got other ways that they could get good at chess. They could spend all their effort, like trying to memorize the game. Like they've knocked everything else on the list, but that's like a sticking point for them. Right. So, like, people will get hung up on different points in this thing. And 
you know, should they keep like bashing away at something that just doesn't work for them? So, and we can get into more detail on that, but that would be like learning styles, right? Um, some people learn by hearing, doing, teaching, discussing. Uh, some people need to be able to ask questions about it, etc. cetera. Um, then there's the element of like interest. I think like in my own coaching, like I take motivation as an important piece of uh, a training plan. And so some, let's say we prescribe somebody to like learn end games at, at any particular level, right? We're like, it's time for you to learn this one chapter of an end game book on King and Pawn end games. Maybe somebody just hates end games and they'd rather not get better at chess than do that. Or they just like refuse to do it. Right. And, and somebody else loves it, you know, and, and like they were mad the last two levels that there were no end game books in it. Right. Like, I think you can, you can get a lot more out of somebody in many occasions by feeding them what they want. Um, though, you know, they may also need what they don't want at some point, but it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to manage motivations when people have different tastes. So that's different tastes. And then you've got different resources. Kosti alluded to like the value of a coach. Some people have a coach, some people don't. So how do you make a training program that's universal if somebody has like a coach to go over their games with and someone else doesn't? Like the review and annotate 25 classical games is going to be very, very different if I can bring them to Kosti and ask him what he thinks I'm figuring out versus if I'm just doing it by myself and then I don't know if anything that I annotated was right or wrong. Um. So those are three elements. And then another thing is people are going to have different like natural strengths and weaknesses that develop over time. So as you get into higher and higher ratings, um, what people need to work on is going to be different in many cases, even if they've done all the same steps up to that point. So even if they are following your cookie cutter and they're all managing their motivation and they all have access to a coach and they're all like fighting their way through each element of the training program, you'll still have divergent skills and weaknesses. Uh, and that, you know, we can argue where that starts and how big it gets, but I think we all agree it starts smaller and then like sort of diverges as people go further into chess. And then like, it's more and more challenging the higher rated somebody is to say a universal thing about what they should be working on because they're going to be so different than another player with the exact same rating. Yeah, that especially feels like it will become an issue once we get to like 1600, 1800. I was just thinking just now about all the students in like the ultimate sensei season and they're all like around 1600 or so. But like, yeah, they they all seem like completely different players that could be working on uh, completely different things. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, when I uh, when I envision like a universal thing, I think part of that is just like you got to get some some sessions with a coach or some like game review. And uh, yeah, of course, that's not going to be accessible to everyone, although there are definitely coaches out there on the more affordable side. So I'm hoping that it's not going to be um, a killer for uh, everyone. Um, at the same time, there's often really high rated players actually especially in the discord that are very generous with their time and if people post their games like in the discord channel usually they get some feedback for, from some very decent players um, that are like several hundred points uh, ahead of them um, so that of course is is very cool and something that people can take uh, advantage of mm -hmm. so you could try to solve the the resources issue with coaches with some community that would that would be my hope, yeah. For yeah. Um, and and 
we're often talking about including in the program some kind of, of cohort system where people have other players that are going through the same program, <clears throat> working together. They can review games with each other, work on the same tasks. To me, that seems like a big, big part of it um, because... It, I mean, training with someone else is not just like enjoyable and makes you do more. I think it also just like pushes you to work harder. It's just like so many, uh, so many benefits. Um, yeah. Now, some people definitely think a universal training plan is not possible. And uh, there are certainly many, many players out there that have gotten stuck at a certain rating level and then just like never broke past it. 1,400, 1,500, whatever. Mm -hmm. My intuition on those people is that if they worked long enough with someone more experienced, like a coach or high rated player, that they could break through whatever plateau they're, they're currently at. Maybe there is this concept of like an actual peak, like you just have a peak strength. You're never going to be stronger than 1782. That's just it. I think very, very few people have reached their peak. I think it'd be really, really hard to even determine what that would be or what it would look like. Um, to me, it feels like pretty much everyone has room to grow and uh, focusing on like, oh, whether any 1200 can hit to like 2200, I feel like is kind of maybe losing time. The point is the 1200 can get a lot better if they put a lot of time in and they work on the right stuff. So whether they can hit to like 1800 or 2200, to me, it's just like whatever, just shoot for the stars and you'll land, you'll land on the moon. You, you will end up getting somewhere. Um, so let's pick one yeah. of my objections at a time, maybe, and see whether you and Jesse think it's a problem or not. So, okay. Yeah. So when you started on the access to coach idea, what do you think, Jesse, is that going to be something that makes it hard? Is that like a real challenge to a universal training? Uh, well, first of all, you know, one reason I'm, I really like this is uh, I've had so many people, especially in the last couple of months being like, Jesse, can you teach me? And I'm like, no, dude, I have too many students and I, uh, and I have, I'm doing the dojo, I'm doing the dojo party. I'm overextended, man. And one of the things that I want to say is I, myself, I didn't have a coach for the longest time, mostly because I was poor, very poor. And I didn't have money for a coach. And what I can say is if you wanted to study with me, what I would do is I would prescribe the exact same things I have here. And the only difference would be that after you annotate your game, uh, that you that I would go over it with you. That's the one big difference. Um, and I would help you maybe, I would teach you how to annotate the game. That is the key difference I think a coach could bring is it helps you see things in your game that you're not bringing. But I really want to stress you can do that without a coach. I did it without a coach for a long time. Um, and not all coaches will even appreciate that or how to do it. And of course, when I put this training program up, it's obviously comes from my own experience. Uh, let me address something else that you said, David, I think just want to respond to it. You said something like, well, what if people don't want to memorize or not that good at it? What if they don't want to do end games? What if they don't want to annotate their games? And I think one of the nice things actually about a pre-programmed method of study is that you don't give yourself an out. You don't get yourself some like, oh, I'm not very good at this. Because let me tell you what, it, just as a metaphor, you get, you know, 
16 year old kids in a gym and what do they do? They're like work out on their biceps or something all day and they, they never work out their legs. So you get these guys with these huge biceps and these squeamy little legs and it's ridiculous. And the chess world, you see it as well, but you don't actually see it as visually as you do in a gym. And that's why I offer That's the so metaphor. funny. That's such a good metaphor, Jesse. Yeah. People are <laughs> skipping end game day. You're absolutely right. Skipping end game day. You skipped end game day, buddy. And it's so easy to skip stuff. And I think one thing I know a lot of the people who are coming to me who want to be coached is they want someone to give them structure and a kind of responsibility because especially now when you, let's say you type in chess into YouTube, you are going to be flooded with all kinds of stuff, some of it very good, but all of it completely unstructured. And it reminds me of some colleges where, you know, once you're, you go in and you'll like, the courses you take will be just totally random in the sense that like some professor is interested in, oh, the importance of what John Schmo said in 1932 to, to today's society right? That'll be your course for that semester. And then next semester be like, oh, Jane Schmo in 1982 had this thought. Let's think about that. And it's totally unrelated. Now, are those thoughts maybe interesting? Yeah, quite possibly, but they're not, it's not structured in any kind of way. So, you know, you can come in and you can say, I differ from this methodology. I get that. Uh, but I think there should be some kind of methodology to a structured program. And honestly, it's almost like picking one, whether you like mine or not, picking a program is probably better than doing something where you're just going off whatever feels good at the day, because then you're gonna skip leg, leg, leg day. You know, you're just gonna skip it because it doesn't feel good, you know? Same thing with me, like, like now in my advanced age, memorization has become very difficult, but honestly, it would be a pretty good thing for me to do. Okay. Let me, let me push around with that for a moment. Um, because I'm saying there's a potential issue with different levels of motivation. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then your answer feels a little bit like saying like, well, they just need to be motivated. Like, like, I don't see where your training program is supplying motivation. You're kind of saying like, if they're not motivated and they don't do it, they won't be good. You know, you know, oh, what a, what a fool who skipped Endgame Day or whatever, right? But like, well, but how do how do like 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 is your plan valuable if they're going to keep skipping Leg Day even after you put out your plan? Well, I think the dream is okay. The dream is, and this is so. Let me just a little backstory. I have a bunch of students who now. Um, <clears throat> Mostly a lot of it simply I can't teach them. I don't have a lot of time to teach them. But what they've done is they've started working together, sparring in different positions, positions I've given them, going over some of their own games together. It's working beautifully. And so my dream for a program like this is that you can utilize the beautiful social aspects of stuff like our Discord channel and also the greater chess community. And so, for example, Let's say you don't want to do leg day. Well, my dream would be you go to our site, you log into this program, and you get a bunch of check marks boxes where you can check this off. And when you do the mate with the queen, you do it with somebody 
from the dojo, rate it around yourself, you rate it around your rating, and you check it off. And if you, you'd have the choice to make your profile public or private, but if it was public, you'd be like, yeah, I did it. And you can see other people who are then, you know, in the same process of the, of improvement. And I think it is a big deal. I think one of the things that chess punks kind of turned me on to is there is a very interesting motivating factor in uh, socially just saying, hey, I did it, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. It was anti-intuitive to me at first, but I, I'm starting to get it as an improver myself. That it's like, oh, if I just say, right, this is what I did today. And it might've been hard work, but I did it. I didn't do the easy calories by playing blitz or whatever it was, you know, what I might've done in the past. Yeah. No, I think there is a big, big difference there between like, yeah, we can just talk on stream and just like offer this advice all the time. Like do, do your end games, do this, do this. And then, you know, the motivated people will listen to it and they'll do it. The ones that it's hard for, you know, they'll, they'll have a lot of resistance and they probably won't do it. But yeah, if you have like some kind of set up uh, thing like on a site like Chessable just does the, an amazing job of this. I think people will kind of refer to it as like gamifying the process, kind of like make a game out of it. That gives people a ton of uh, motivation. Um, it's funny the uh, like the chess punks and the adult improvers. They often like will post their stuff on Twitter, right. but now right. I feel like it's gone a little bit too far. Where, you know, they're posting when they start rather than when, when when they finish, right? So if you wanted to just get a bunch of bunch of likes, a bunch of social clout, you just have to write like, oh, today's day one of my like thousand days of chess. I'm gonna work like four hours a day for the next like three years. Hashtag thousand right. days of chess. Let's go. Your post will get like 150 likes. You'll feel great about yourself without actually having done anything <laughs> done anything right i feel like a lot of those people probably burn out because they're starting like way too hyped up i love the idea of just having a checklist that you got to go through and then it feels good as you're doing it and yeah if someone does everything on the checklist except for this one thing that they're dreading right i mean it's it might be indicative of like a bigger problem because i would imagine we would think that nope phase of the game should really just be like totally uh neglected that just seems too too extreme. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of it, it's like, you know, that person is kind of only lying to themselves in a way if they're like not doing what is just very clearly laid out for them. And then they're still like, oh, I'm not getting better. I'm not getting better. Um, I don't know. So I think it it does make a big difference when it's like very clearly laid out or when like a coach tells you, like, here's what you got to do to get better. And if you don't do it, it's like it's totally all on you at that point. Um, to David's point, though, totally agree that people learn in different ways and we should offer some kind of alternatives. Like if you truly despise memorizing games, I don't think that should be I don't think that's a requirement, you know, for improving. I think lots of players have gotten better without memorizing games, um, mm -hmm. learning particular end games. You know, I think it's uh, very, very important. So maybe we should differentiate between the stuff that's just like. 100% you cannot get better without doing or learning this thing versus mm -hmm. like, I don't know, here's our very, very strong suggestions. Please, please, please do this. But like, okay, if you absolutely cannot memorize games or you cannot like uh, mm -hmm. annotate your games, whatever it might be, like we have some kind of alternative available. Yeah, like I can see, I, I you know, listening to you both, I can see adults with medium to high motivation 
like just saying like, okay, I'll check off everything on this list. Okay. I'm getting check marks. Okay. Jesse said to do it. Okay. There's like a group of 20 other people doing it this month with me. I can see that. I have a harder time seeing like a kid doing it because like kids are much worse than adults in general doing something they don't want to do. Right. So like, it's a much bigger ask on a kid, much, much tougher. And then, you know, maybe some adults who have lower motivation to begin with. Um, I think it also could be like a problem for. Let me just say the beta testing here was all kids. <laughs> it was all kids. <laughs> yeah. I did this all with kids. And the only difference was that I went over the games with them, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, I think, you know, I tell a lot of students this too. I'm like, if you study with me, what we're going to do is we're going to go over your games. So if it's, especially if it's a cost thing, you can find people especially on our discord. I know they're there. They will, they're happy to look at the games with you and you just go over some variations, meet on zoom and don't use the computer until later. You can use it later, but just try to speak clearly about what you see happening in the position and then try to write it out as succinctly as possible. Improvement will follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a net, by the way, I think it's a net good thing to provide this, even if not everybody does it or follows through with it. Right. It's like mm -hmm. having a really, really good organized resource, you know, um, can, can only be helpful and people can choose to use it or not. Um, I don't think it'll help everybody equally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an important, good point mm -hmm. to remember that Jesse was able to make use of the annotating games without a coach because it would seem like having a coach would be so important for that. But I guess Jesse's kind of saying like that would make it go faster, but you can still do it and you can still get there without the coach. Um, so, I mean, I think it's like a great project to do overall. And I want to, I want to stress something. I didn't, one thing, you know, it's funny, just thinking back, I think one of the key uh, things that helped me uh, when I was trying to become a GM was also a little bit inadvertent. First, teaching kids how to how to do the basic stuff. Honestly, I do think it helped me. Uh, but also, you know, then well, this was like you know so long ago. But I start helped start this company called Chess Lecture, and one of the things I did was I would review my own games after I'd studied them and like force myself to try to be as clear as possible, speaking to a, a varied audience of varied ability about what I saw happening in the game. And so in hindsight, it's this beautiful system of chess, of any kind of improvement that I did the video on a month or so, a couple of months ago, about plus minus, plus minus and equal, a plus being the coach, an equal being a cohort, and a minus being somebody you are trying to explain stuff to, that that, process of me explaining uh, really helped my thinking and just being very clear about what I was doing at the board. So one of the things I want to stress is it's not just a coach. Everyone's talking about a coach. That's great. But having some friends who are your cohort and then somebody, maybe even they're paying you a little bit of money or just you're helping them. Beautiful. If you are forced to put into words your own thoughts, I think it's a big part of the picture. Yeah. Now for me, um, if I was to design my own universal uh, training uh -huh. plan, I assume I'll be contributing a lot. Um, there's going to be a lot of chess books on that list. Mm -hmm. And and this is something I've kind of like 
talked about before, but it's like all the chess books are already out there. You know, it's like so many people improved, not just without the coach, but before computers were around, their engines, there's mm-hmm. so many masters from, from the past um, and really, really strong players. And uh, I think a lot of them just like learned from from game analysis, going over their games, analyzing, but also just like reading really high quality chess books and the annotations of, of strong players. Um, so for me, that would be a big part of it, just like assigning homework, read this book or this book, or if people want to do it on, on Chessable, that's totally, for me, that's, uh, that's okay. Um, I, another, I guess, uh, thing we would have to figure out is like, you know, explaining how to, uh, train. I think a lot of people, when they're solving puzzles, for example, you guys probably have this experience, you know, they don't fully get it right. They don't fully see the solution, but they got got it kind of half right. And so in their mm-hmm. mind, it's like, okay, I kind of got this one. And they don't really, you know, analyze whether they fully saw everything or whether they could have calculated better or more accurately. Uh-huh. Um, you know, lots of people use arrows, for example, when they're calculating. And that's something I know like we never did because we grew up playing OTB and there are no arrows and we're just like not used to it. Uh, and, and those can be kind of a crutch. I think those are not necessarily helpful in the long run. So a big part of this also, I think, has to be kind of explaining, really breaking it down, maybe through videos mm-hmm. of like, you know, here's how you solve a puzzle and put your maximum effort into it and get the most out of it. Um, would love to see a video from Jesse, like, here's how you annotate your games. So you don't have to sit everyone down and explain it to them. You can just <laughs> make a video and that would be a huge part you know, of the uh, of the training plan. Maybe we can make it so the site doesn't even let you progress until you sit there and you watch the full video without skipping <laughs> through it. <laughs> well, right, we'll definitely have, uh, you know, videos. Um, and I like what you're saying about problems where like you didn't do the full thing. And that's one of the reasons as a coach, I really like the made in twos. I, there's a lot of reasons that I like the Bulgar made in twos. But one of the things that's very nice there is it's harder to skimp. It's harder to be like, oh, I kind of get it intuitively, right? No, it's like, you have to absolutely get it. There's no, and it's, yeah, there's, it's easier to know if you've got it or not. So, so maybe some kind of tests we could incorporate as well. That I, I don't know how we would exactly design them, but the idea would be to really test whether the student has done the work and... Or is kind of like putting uh, their their best habits in, into play. I don't know how we would test this, but maybe it would be some idea to think about. Right, right. Do you do you think that the three of us could agree on what sort of set of knowledge everyone should eventually know once they're you know if they're going to eventually get to twenty two hundred? Question. Right. Like, okay, we agree that they that they all need to learn king and queen against king at some point. Right. But would we all think that they would have needed to study like opposite colored bishop endings by then? Or some some more advanced topics? Is is there like a huge body of, of knowledge that we could agree on? I feel like we could agree on a lot of stuff, but yeah, I think it'd be really hard to come to uh specific consensus like that like here are the books or here are the the -hmm. games you need to know Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm sure once we start drilling into it that we'll have interesting differences 
Uh, for example, uh, I've always forced my students to do the bishop and knight checkmate. Now, could you get to 2200 without it? Yeah, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could do it. But the philosophy isn't just like learning, you know, how to do this so you get it in a game, but as a visualization exercise in the same way that the maiden twos are not just about mating patterns, they're about visualizing the board and everything that's happening on it. Um, yeah. So there is certainly like, just say in my business here, there's all kinds of, even though it seems simple on the surface, there's all kind of hidden assumptions. And I'm sure when we drill down, like, yeah, it, it might be different. <laughs> Maybe we'll have three different training programs and David's will be like, well, this one's optional. So anyways, yeah, it's possible that we might end up with three different ones. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like three different ones could be confusing and maybe we should yeah. force ourselves to sort of average our programs together somehow, even if it involves a lot of like uh, acrimony in the discord. <laughs> I mean, it could be as simple as we have the, the fundamental requirements that we, we all agree on. We all agree, you know, pr just, just presumably like you got to annotate a bunch of your games. You got to do a couple sessions with a training partner. You have to, um, you know, spend like an hour on tactics, just whatever it is. And then maybe we have our own individual recommendations for each uh, level. And maybe even those are the same. But yeah, I, I would be more on like for me, the bishop and knight checkmate, just for example, I would be like, yeah, strongly recommended. But do you like have to do it? No, I don't. I think there are many masters that like never learned. Right. So uh, I would that for me would be like a strong recommendation, but not just like a hardcore 100 percent. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like there is a way to work around the stuff that we, um, don't agree on. I also just think, you know, it, it's not really, it doesn't seem possible that you can just say like, okay, study these 350 games and then you will be 1900, uh, level, you know, it could take a lot less for some players. It could take a lot more. So my idea would just be like, here's 500 games that I think you should look at. And then I would break them down, you know, however, and, uh, and then the, the idea would be like, yeah, if you do this work, I think you will improve quite a bit. But it, for me, it's very hard to say like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what you have to do to get from 14 to 1600. But I would be comfortable saying like, here are my strong, strong recommendations. Right. And, and so right, right up front, you will hit some boundary where it's going to be really hard to progress. And you might fly up uh, the rating ladder much quicker than, you know, before you even finish the task. Totally possible. We definitely need to have something in there about like what to do if you've finished everything on the list and you're not yet 1400 or what to do if you've, if you've hit 1400 and you've only done half the list, you still need to finish the list for 13 to 1400. Mm -hmm. uh, we definitely need to set that out since people are going to go at, at different rates. You know, one funny thing about this too, is David was talking about things where people might not be into it, you know, some aspect of the training program and you know, several years ago, I was doing a camp with some talented kids and uh, as prizes for, you know, various um, things they had done in the camp, I was giving out chess books and uh, this one kid comes up. He's like, this isn't that user friendly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really stuck with me. And it's like the thing with books, I'm like, I, philosophically, I'm totally behind Kostya in the book thing. 
but I know the kids aren't reading books. They don't, and they don't know how to read books. It's like reading books. What I'm, what I'm realizing when I think about this younger generation is like they haven't grown up reading books, and there's a skill involved in reading books. I don't just mean like how to read words off a page, but like um, how to. <clears throat> think about somebody who's writing sentences and what their meaning is and thinking about what the meaning is and turning it over in your mind a little bit. Um, and then also just with a book, you know, you're looking at a page, you're looking at the board, you're going back. It's a skill. And I think for a lot of kids, especially, but even millennials, like they didn't grow up reading. So it's a problem. Now, do I want them to read the books? Yes. But it's funny. I hadn't really thought about it too much, but the first book I have in here comes at the rating of 1000, for example. That's the first book I put in there. Um, and anyways, I just want to put it as a side. It's like the only thing I could imagine being optional is the books just because I know the kids can't take it. I know it's just too hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you on the kids. Actually, in my mind for all of this, I'm mainly just thinking of kind of like adult or teenage improvers that uh, kind of have their own self-motivation. And I feel mm -hmm. like they don't really have issues going through like a book or a course if, if that's just what you tell them, that's what they need to do. Um, I would think maybe a separate plan for kids might be uh, mm -hmm. useful. Um, you know, some kids might have like an adult that can work with them and kind of help them through stuff. Some might even have like a chess playing parent. Um, others might not have a lot of support. Uh, so, yeah, definitely really, really hard for kids to kind of do like self-study. So yeah. my feeling would be that I we should just treat them separately as a separate category. I think that's a very good point. And, you know, as I was saying earlier with the motivation, I was like, I could see like adults doing Jesse's like training program, but maybe not kids, despite the guinea pig thing. But actually, as you're saying this, Kosi, I thought there might be one way to have this plan be for adults and kids. And that is to tell kids that it's only for adults. <laughs> and because if you tell kids you gotta do all this stuff, they're just, I mean, they're just not gonna wanna do it. But if you tell them they can't do it, then actually they might be able to work through the whole thing right off of that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so funny. You know, <laughs> honestly, like when, when I think about kids, let's think about our famous chess latte, friend of the dojo. The yeah. guy has a rating of 1100, but is actually at least 1900. In any case, it, I would love for him to have some kind of structure like this because he, like everybody else, is going online, finding content and just bouncing, bouncing from one thing to the other and then ending up playing blitz, lots of blitz. And, you know, he's going to improve anyway because it's a young, he's a young, talented kid, but he doesn't have the structure. So, yeah. I would love for him to be like, okay, here's here's my 60 games that I got to do. I got to go through them. Christ says, I got to do it. Check it off, buddy. You know, that was, that's Chess Latte's path to improvement for sure. At least that's what I believe. Well, it actually, it seems doable. I mean, uh, there are lots of kids that are super motivated and they just need, like adults, they just need that like checklist that they feel like good about and like they can cross it off. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we, we, can just try to make it really straightforward like this is the path path to mastery path to chess improvement whatever it is it's um yeah it's so funny the last thing a, a kid wants to be is uh is a baby <laughs> so that's what we say this course is not for babies yeah, this course is too hard for kids to do <laughs> so it, it's for adults you know and when you're older you can try it i love it that's really that's a great idea yeah I think we should also include some don'ts, probably. Mm -hmm. 
because I think a lot of people do do some serious don'ts, right? Like, uh, I mean, we don't have to like agree about them like right now on air. But, but like, I mean, like playing too much, you want to actively discourage people. Like, here's a book you shouldn't read. It'll make your brain dumber. Right. And like, yeah, bullet chess and <laughs> and you get a maximum of like 100 puzzle rushes in your life. And then like you have to cut yourself off. Uh, right. Um, I got a question for you guys. Let me just I want to let me just frame it this way. So, you know, obviously I did this thing and has a lot of my own assumptions in there. Um you guys have also taught a lot of varied uh, players of varied ability. What, how would, and, and mine is obviously reflecting my values. I got going over your games, the maiden twos, a little puzzle rush, an end game competency, memorize some stuff, watch some vids. Boom, you're on to the next level. So I'm interested, how would you guys at least intuitively do it? And what would, what do you, what do you have? Like, yeah, what would you, what do you push? at these various levels. You want to go first, Kostya? What's like your first thought of something that isn't in Jesse's plan that you would push pretty hard? Oh, let me um, let me pull that up real real quick. Um, okay, well then I can if answer. If you have an idea, first, David, yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'll answer real quick first. Uh, the number one thing that I do, Jesse, is I really stress working with peers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've got nothing against the plus equal minus, right? But I just think like peers, like, is the most obvious relationship. Like nobody has to pay anybody. It's like equal, there's like available, similar motivations and goals and all that. You know, there's no question of like, you know, does somebody owe somebody something or is it any unequal, right? So Mm -hmm. I I would put in a lot of like discussing stuff and like sparring. That's That's what would come into mind a lot. So like, if you're forcing them to annotate games, mine would be like, and then show it to, and then show it to your buddies and like have them tell you what they think, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, st- stuff of that sort, you know? Or like, it's like, okay, you're all gonna watch this video, but then you have to talk about the video with your with your homie. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm totally there with you. And I think that's the genius of social media and the dojo site is that we now have the power to organize that. You were not alone doing this program. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, well, then that's the main thing I've got. I've got to offer, and it sounds like we can probably include it. <laughs> yeah. To add to that, because I feel like Jesse, your list is actually pretty comprehensive. Because you have room there for uh, reading certain books or watching certain videos. Uh, right. I'm sure there's a ton of great videos that we would recommend. And we were discussing like this isn't going to be exclusive to uh, to dojo content, which I think is really important. Um, because I actually worked on the Chess.com uh, study plans. They were very, very similar to this in uh, in spirit, but uh, the main drawback there was we were, you know, kept to chess.com resources and chess.com has like a ton of videos and a ton of stuff, but they don't have literally everything. Right. Whereas close, <laughs> if close. Right. But they don't have like videos on like, you know, every single topic and like how to annotate your games and how to deal when your opponent is being like too aggressive on you or just like random stuff that might be a little bit uh, rarer to find. Um, so I like that we can just include other people's content as well and be like, yeah, like, like John Bartholomew, just throwing him out there, has some amazing videos on YouTube, I think that are super instructive. Um, so I would maybe include some like uh, flex goals, like stuff that you don't have to do, but if you have more time and you haven't really uh-huh. gotten there yet, then maybe watch this video or do this thing. Um, and similar to what David was saying, I think 
every uh, couple of months or so, I would really suggest if someone you know doesn't have a coach or isn't working with anyone to try and, and get at least one lesson where you go through multiple games with a higher rate of player just to get some feedback on, on what you're doing, especially if you're feeling like stuck, you haven't been uh, gaining, you feel like you've been working hard, but you don't feel like you're improving. Uh, I would definitely include some kind of strong recommendations for uh, getting a lesson or two with uh, with a coach. I think that would be really important. Right. Um, and maybe just throwing this out there, we don't have to commit to this, but like uh, I would personally feel motivated that like if someone went through our full list and like clearly has worked hard and did everything and they're still like, I'm not, you know, I'm not improving. Uh, maybe I would just look at their games, you know, for free with them because they've been working hard and, you know, I, I'm interested in having them get better. And they've been going through like the dojo guide. You know, it's like uh, I could put totally a see guarantee myself on the course. <laughs> if you don't make it to 2000, you get a private lesson with Coast. Yeah. Free lessons <laughs> for life. <laughs> Until you get there. Just something like, again, no promises, but like I would I, I would think that would be cool. Um, right. But obviously, yeah. there would be a lot of people. After 10 lessons, you're like, this person's throwing their games to keep having lessons with me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like rated 1990. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, it sounds like we're going to do this project. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things I'm just realizing, too, is like when you annotate, let's say you're going to annotate 25 games because you're in the 500 to 600. One of the cool things is you don't have to, but you can make it public. And whether it's on lead chess or chess.com, you can say, here's my library. You can go see what I did. You know, you can see this is how I annotated it when I was a 500, for example. Oh, maybe we can make it a requirement for some of the stronger players to do the minus part and go review some games of lower rated players yeah. and yeah, have yeah. them explain exactly where they messed up. And that would be kind of an exercise for them and also very helpful for the player that submitted their games. Genius. <laughs> uh, it really is great. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Let's do it, my friends. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to revisit this topic in Dojo Talks once we've actually really tried to do this thing and like fought with each other about some of the nitty gritty, right? Like yeah. Jesse, we need to bring that down to 20 annotated games. 25 is just, uh -huh. you know, just a little bit too much, you <laughs> know, or enough. something like that, whatever it yeah. may be. I think we'll fight through it and we'll come back to this topic and we'll be much more educated on the topic uh, right. once we've, once we've been in the trench. So it'll yeah. be an even better episode then. There's a lot of, we have to do there's And then there's also technological details that we got to figure out, you know, poor DM Hokey. <laughs> I did the easy part. DM Oki's got to figure out the tech part of how to do this on our website, man. Poor guy, you know? And then I think also huge is just, will we have enough critical mass in terms of people doing it, right? I think the more people that do it and are engaged with one another, the more successful it will be. Yeah. Well, okay. I think we'll, uh, we'll end it there. That was great. Uh, once again, everyone, sorry for the lag uh, during the stream, but um, the the show will be put up on on YouTube in full in the next couple of days and on Spotify as well. So uh, if you missed it or you know decided not to watch because it was too laggy, you will be able to hear the full discussion. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do it. Thanks everyone for uh, for joining us. 
Um, and we'll see you all next time. Let me just make a quick like ask or announcement yeah. before you send out a raid. I mean, Dojo Talks is done, but Friday night fights is this evening. So if you like playing some some Blitz or maybe even some Degenerate Bullet, um, there will definitely be a Blitz tournament to start with. Um, and sometimes if there's popular request, Scott will tack on a, a Bullet tournament afterwards. You can play this evening. And then tomorrow, we've got the Ultimate Sensei Season 2 Finals. Kostya's team, how are you feeling, Kostya? Is your team looking looking good this week? Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's uh, it, it's going to be stressful for sure. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, especially my two guys, I think they've got some really, really tough pairings. But um, I, I think if they play well, they'll do well. All right. So, so that's coming up tomorrow and Sunday. The matches are going to start at 10. We're going to come on air at like 9.30 on Saturday and 9 on Sunday to do some pre-show and get you all hyped up. I would love it, folks, for anybody out there likes me here's like a really easy thing you can do for yourself and for me if you follow this link here on season two you'll see that we've got a bracket and if you could fill out that bracket and predict who you think is going to win um that's going to make it even more fun for yourselves and for me when we watch the show because i've been loving seeing like the prediction come in and seeing like oh this person's got a 17 percent chance to win the whole thing and all that so um, go in there and give us some more data, and that'll be super fun. So the stream will actually start Saturday at 9 a.m. at 9:30 a.m. Pacific and Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, we'll also run a viewer rapid tournament Sunday before Ultimate Sensei, so it'll be rough for anybody on the Pacific Coast, but it'll be a better chance for people in Asia, and Africa, and Europe to play. So we'll run a tournament at 7 a.m. that day. 9.30 a.m. Cobus. So, cool. and tournament Sunday before it. Uh, awesome. So Ultimate Sensei coming up tomorrow. Actually, I should note, I'm going to be doing another game analysis stream, I think, at uh, 3 p.m. today, Pacific time. So about two hours uh, from now. I'll be back. Excellent. All right. Bye, everybody.